You are listening to the Big Stick Energy Podcast, where two friends talk news, happenings, and nuances of their favorite sports and favorite teams. We're talking the Philadelphia Phillies and the Philadelphia Flyers. Welcome one, welcome all to episode number five, or cuatro, as they say in... Uh, cinco. Oh, it's cinco. God, <laughs> I did not take Spanish in high school. Welcome to episode cinco of <laughs> the Big Stick Energy Podcast. I'm Jim. I talk Phillies, and... I'm Eric, and I attempt to talk Flyers. Yeah. A lot of news coming out of the Flyers this week. No. It's, Said no it, one ever. It's getting worse and worse <laughs> each week. It's becoming an even bigger struggle to really pull together anything. Luckily, right before we started recording, I... Jake Area went on the aisle. Yes, that's actually where <laughs> I was going with this. No, it's um, not. But we will get into that. Do you want to get in or do you want me to jump in? I mean, I don't have a I lot. mean, you got like two minutes of content, so we can go into it right now. <laughs> All right, everyone, here's a little prologue to our podcast. Um, it's been a slow week. Chuck hasn't been listening. Connecting hasn't One been signed. Yes. Can answer the call. I wish mine would answer the call. (laughs) Maybe he'll bring good luck and help the Flyers figure out what they're doing. Um, But, basically, it's been a really slow week in terms of Flyers news. I'm pretty much expunged all my knowledge that I have of the offseason in the past couple episodes. But, before this episode, I found a story that's pretty interesting. Basically, I already knew. (laughs) because I have common sense, but there was an article you mean that came out. the Flyers aren't making crazy moves? They're not signing a guy for $300 million? No, and they <laughs> don't have a coach who greases himself up every six minutes <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, the Flyers' free agent acquisition Kevin Hayes told another player that he'd only go to the Flyers if they overpaid. Now, I'm sure you're sitting here, Jim, and thinking, that's how dick. free agency works, or that that too. <laughs> but that's how free agency works. You usually overpay for a free agent because that's why they go to free agency, to get the most money they can. Now, I vocalized my Kevin Hayes liking. I wouldn't say love. I like Kevin Hayes. I think he's a solid player. He's a definite upgrade to the shit we had last year. But yeah. he's like a... He's a solid, good player. He's not... He's no Claude Giroux. He's no... Ding. (laughs) That was fun. He's no... He's no Claude Giroux. He's uh, Jake Voracek. He's no even JVR. Because JVR's at least hit 35 goals in his career. He's been above 30 goals a few times. He's shown that he deserves big money. Um... So the crazy thing about this is that the Flyers traded for Kevin Hayes' rights right before free agency, probably like three weeks before. And so basically the Flyers had three weeks before anyone else to be like, look, buddy, this is what we're going to give you, and we want you. But they could have just sat there and been like, we're going to just offer you this and be stubborn, and then they could be like, take it or leave it. But apparently... They did that like four or five times, and um, usually do it once and then you're done. And he 
and there was no traction on either side. Or I guess, yeah, there was no traction. I meant I was thinking traction and friction. I mean, it's, a, it's a game that's played on ice, so there's really not a lot of either of that. Well, there's traction. The tires in the Zamboni have traction, so that you're not sliding all over the place. Yeah, well, the players don't have traction. They got traction. They got these. They got fucking metal on their. That's not traction. <laughs> they're just sliding across the ice. Well, no, they're actually time. digging. And that's my. They're sliding across the ice the entire game. <laughs> No, but the skates dig into the ice. Sometimes. <laughs> no, they dig in every single time you take a stride. You're cutting into ice a little more. So you're, you're sliding, but you're also digging. Yeah, but if you stop doing that, you continue to move forward because you're on ice. And you're gliding, yeah. Yeah. That's our science lesson of the day. <laughs> but back to what I was saying. Um, Kevin Hayes, basically, it's not referenced who the player was, but the article was from... Frank Saravalli, who is a hockey, who is TSN, which is like Canada's sports network. Uh, he's their senior hockey reporter, and he's a former Philadelphia Daily News uh, writer. He joined a, I've never heard of this news station or news program before, sports news program, but he joined like a news thing the other day, and he didn't say who it was, but Kevin Hayes basically ran into another player right before Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in Boston. And the guy said to him, or Kevin Hayes said to the player, the only way that he's going to, or I'm going to sign with the Flyers is if the Flyers overpaid to get me. So basically, you could make a judgment that it would be about 600000 to 700000 a year times seven every year is how much they overpaid more than other teams. And, I mean, this is Kevin Hayes, so there probably wasn't, like, a huge amount. I mean, there was probably buzz of, like, ah, oh, we'll go after this player, but I'm going to make the assumption and say that the Flyers were, the, by training for his rights, realistically would have been the only team to get Kevin Hayes. Cause that, but the fact that he was kind of, like, already making the assumption that they weren't going to overpay for him and he wasn't going to come here, it... See, me, I knew this already, kind of, because the Flyers the past couple years obviously have fallen a little bit. They haven't had a lot of playoff success, and yeah. that usually translates... You could say that again. What? You could say that again. Yeah, but that translates to players being reluctant to sign here because they want to go to a team... Most players want to go to a team that they have a chance to win the big trophy with, but Flyers haven't shown. It's been kind of hazy in terms of where the Flyers are going to end up. Are they are they going towards that? Are they going towards success, or are they going to have to rebuild again? I mean, yeah. honestly, I think that they're in that like weird middle stage where like they're they're kind of doing like a rebuild of their bottom, but they're also like they still are. It's weird. they're getting booty surgery. Yes, just one cheek. But, um, <laughs> the left cheek. The right cheek's perfectly fine. But yeah, sometimes is, you're so. sitting down a lot and your left cheek kind of starts to swell yeah, up a little bit. you, you got to bring it back down. You ever think your left cheek needs a goalie or a uh, left wing? <laughs> um, you, you can address that in free agency. But the other thing about this, and the, thing, the only reason why I'm bringing this up, besides the fact that this is the only Flyers news I have, yeah. is... This is scary because the Flyers have been one of those teams that, regardless of their lack of playoff success in the past few years, have always been one of those destinations that at least players look to right away in free agency. That 
half of that is due to Edge Snyder's willingness to pay. So when he dies, it kind of we went through a little bit of like, a, well, how are we going to do this? Because now we're we're owned by Comcast when before we were owned by a single man. So it was more so not it was less it was we were still like a business but we are less it felt more like a familial setting so now yeah. people are blaming this whole like we we're owned by comcast now we're just a now we're just a business money run yeah, team. it's like you're a corporate corporate yeah. enterprise now yeah which like yes but also like i don't think i don't think that well comcast wants to make money and a winning team makes money so they're gonna i spend think that people money. forget that the best way to make the most money is to make your team successful and realistic businessmen who own sports teams know that the only way to really capitalize on your money with a team is to win the Stanley Cup or whatever trophy in any sport. Because yeah. that's when you're at your peak. That's when you're You're selling striving. the most yeah. tickets. You're yeah. selling the most jerseys, selling everything. Granted, Flyers fans will buy tickets even if we oh, are yeah, in true, the dumpster. But, like, but like, the, putting them in that seat puts them on a national scale people are going to buy the jerseys people are going to buy the merchandise people are going to buy the tickets from other places we're not the only people i mean yes we're philadelphia that we're the philadelphia flyers so obviously the city is the most important to that to that business but people also forget that the more you win the more outside cities and outside fans will start to come towards your team and be like i enjoy the flyers i'm enjoying watching them which means more jerseys will sell out of the philadelphia like out of Philadelphia territories, which again, Flyers fans are very like, "Fuck you! I've been a Flyers fan since 1967." Who gives a shit? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I want to win a cup. I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care if you're from Beijing, like, which yeah. would be really cool if like a Beijing Flyers fan. <laughs> um, but what I was saying was, this is kind of scary. Only that if a player like Kevin Hayes, who is good but not, like, a superstar-esque player is saying that he won't sign with the Flyers unless we really overpay him. That means we've hit kind of the bottom of, like, players are looking to places like Arizona instead of... I feel like they're pretty doing pretty well, aren't they? eh, No, because they don't even have a stadium in their city. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good like area. It was owned by the NHL. Had to save Arizona a couple years ago. Like they had to literally. They were about to move. So it's it's things like that that are like the Flyers have literally been the type of team that has at least consistently had no problems with like players signing here and just. Well, when you lose for a long time, it's kind of hard to get people to want to come here. I know, but like the fact that it's to this point, it's kind of like now. Granted, this is also like a story that some guy said, and I, I mean, he's been he's a trusted he's a trusted reporter and writer, so like there's probably some validity to this story, but at the same time, it's kind of like that's just background fodder. There's no news going out right now. But yeah, no one gives a shit. Yeah, what, and that's and the difference too is that this was before. Kevin he's Hayes here. signed with the Flyers, and now he's kind of got that. Now he's been, you know, he's a part of the team. It, the coach has probably met with him, who Kevin Hayes previously played with in New York. And yeah. granted, also, that year that Kevin Hayes played with Elaine Vigneault was his best year. Mm-hmm. And he, stri- he, like, he was thriving under Vigneault. So I don't. I, I, there were other factors for him willing to come here. Yeah, money, of course, it's free agency, but like we're, we're gonna have to overpay him. And people are there's been this consistent news thread that the Flyers overpaid for Kevin Hayes. 
You're fucking right. We overpaid for Kevin Hayes because it's free. So everyone gonna overpay for, for free. Everyone, unless they're a fucking moron with a dumbass agent. There's not gonna be. Yeah. You're not gonna get people going underneath the uh, the asking price. And I'm saying, and I'm I'm saying because they can just go to another team that's gonna pay them more. And I'm saying what do they that give I'm also in the I'm on the train that yes. I think we still, even though we had to overpay, I do think we really overpaid for Kevin Hayes. And, like, I wish that the contract was a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. But people also forget that Sean Couturier's contract is only 4.5, which yeah. for your first-line elite center is a steal. So you can afford to pay your second-line center, who, yeah. God forbid, Sean Couturier gets hurt. That's your first-line center. You can slide him in, and he'll fit perfectly. It's We basically have... We have our first two lines are basically one A and one B. Yeah. Just like our second line and third line will probably be two A and two B. Like it's gonna, it's gonna work. We it's have, gonna be two B continued. It's yeah, like yeah. And then <laughs> I I I'm just I don't know. I just figured I'd bring it up and see what. Well, no, it's we, a good that's a good point because I, I feel like for people blame free agents for taking all the money. One, they're probably only in a one shot at making all that money. That's the thing. He's Two, he's playing a physical sport. All that CTE shit. I don't know if that's going on in hockey, but Not they're definitely much, no, taking, they're, they're, taking they've hits. They've changed it. It's There's been like... I know the play play type has changed, no, but, but still, also, the league still has, The effect. league has taken more of a stance in terms of like, you know, protecting Combating its players, it. but actually that's interesting. This, this is something that I could bring up regarding that just because it's on my mind. Um, it came out in like once the Stanley Cup finals is over and they kind of release the injury report of like, oh, this is what everybody was playing with. That guy got shot halfway mm-hmm. through game three and he's been playing with a, the open bullet wound. But now, um, I think, <sighs> shit, I forget who it was. One of their players was playing with a concussion for like six straight games. Oh, Jesus. And that's like, that's, that, that's not a good look for the, to, but the league, the team, for anyone because... Nah. It's their job to make sure that if someone was hit hard enough that it looks like they could have been concussed, you got to keep him out and you got to run him through the test. And the fact that, because back like 15 years ago, if you got hit and you were a you player, no, you just lied to like whoever's like testing you and been like, I feel fine. Which mm-hmm. there was, there's this famous hit, I think in one of the Stanley Cup finals, what, I forget what year, it was uh, Paul Correa. And where they were playing, it was the Ducks and the Devils. And what a what a group of. But no, the Devils had Scott <laughs> Stevens, who was the guy who put Eric Lindros basically out of his league, like out of the league. Like he was, mm. it was the guy who hit him hard enough that it fucked his career up. But um, Scott Stevens came across the, I think it was the blue line or something, and just absolutely pulverized Paul Korea. Like it was the hardest hit I've ever seen, and he left the ice, and like everyone thought like Paul Korea was dead. Like it was like, but he came back in the third period and scored the game-winning goal. But now Paul Curry is so fucked up, and, like, basically it's, like, he has, once he left, he kind of, like, gave the Ducks the cold shoulder for basically, like, not treating his injury better. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was, it's, 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 that doesn't happen as much anymore. Yeah. It, but, like, still, it's kind of bad that that player on the Boston um, could get away with the fact that he had a concussion and was basically yeah. kind of still somehow figured a way into the game. Like, that's on the team. Yeah. but. I honestly, we, we just deviated. I forget where the fuck we were. Well, my point was that the oh, free we, agents we, yeah. are coming in. They, they want in. It's the same thing in football and really any sport. You're taxing your body by playing these sports for so long. Yeah. You want to make the most money when you can get it. And, and this is obviously, the first, this is the first if you can win, that's a plus. But 
You want to make the most money while you're People forget able it's to. a job. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's great when players are like, yeah. I'll take a discount to be... And, yeah. They but, can at the sa- but at the same time, it's a job. Yeah. And you want to make the most money at what you're doing, hopefully, no matter what. Like, if it, All right, so let's put this in, let's, let's put this in our shoes. If someone offered me a million dollars to go to do something for about three years, I'm taking that. I don't care what, like... I'm taking that pay raise. I don't care what I'm doing. Yeah. But I also want to make the most money compared to what I'm doing right now. Like, it, you're, this is a financial system. It, these guys are playing for money. Yeah, they want to win, but this is their livelihood. Once they're out of sports, they're probably never going to work again. They got to work. That's just it, it makes sense to me why he wants to get the most money no, out of this. No, exactly. And I can't I can't blame a guy for wanting to get the most money and get what he's worth, like, you know? Yeah. He might not be worth that. His in his eyes, he's worth that. You, Look, you can't put two years down the line, you win a Stanley help. Cup, people will go back and we will never ever care about this contract situation again if we win. Like it's exactly. one of those things where like now if we don't then it's going to always be one of those oh, things where it's like, oh, we should have never. It's going to be. It's yeah. going to be that way either way. Ryan but, Howard was the same way with the Phillies. They signed him for that big, big contract, and he got injured and didn't turn out too great. But, but um, you know what? At the time, he was worth it. At mm-hmm. the time, he was healthy. He can't. He can't sign a guy and Look, expect anytime, him to anytime be. Anytime you sign a contract, you sign a player. It's a risk. You're yeah. it's literally a risk. It doesn't matter what you're doing or what that who that player is or what you're what hole you're trying to fill in your team every time you sign a contract anytime there's pen and paper you're risking money you're risking your work you've put through in terms of building your team it's especially something like this because he's such a big contract and such a big like acquisition that you're actually kind of banking more on him than you are on say like brian elliott who's our two I think $2 million backup goalie for Carter Hart. Like, yeah. he gets hurt. It sucks because then you got to go figure something out. But, like, that won't affect us as much as, say, Kevin Hayes getting hurt because then we got to, then that's a bigger hole you got to fill. Yeah. So, but basically what I'm getting at is Kevin Hayes is 27. You said it. He's got to make the most money. This is the first time he's hit free agency, and he's not going to hit free agency until, free agency until he's 34. Next, yeah. which means by that point, that's when you that, start to. That's when you yeah, start that's to when you decline. Yeah, that's when and this is in his prime. This is a hockey player's prime. It's yeah. twenty-seven to like 32, 33. Yeah. So it's literally we got him through his prime. So I'm. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm not. And the reason that he wasn't. And that, you know what? If the Flyers do decide to trade, that's a controllable piece that they can trade and get a lot back for. Yeah, it's not. It. it I. I. I'm the same way. Where I'm like, I love the. I love the fact that we got him. I don't love him as a player. I really like him. But honestly, how many times? You never know if he comes here, we make it to the Stanley Cup final, and he's the one who scores like the game winner. He goes down as that he's literally will be a flyer. Like he'll be remembered for being a flyer. Yeah. It's it's that you never know what you're like. Danny Breer wasn't drafted a flyer, but his most memorable years were when he was a flyer because that was when we were in the playoffs most of the time. That's when all those. That's when he scored his most points in the playoffs. It's, but yeah. So I just I don't know. I I do think it's just fodder for like people like me are really struggling to find news for the There's Flyers. There's no news, so they got to put out something. They got to say they got to put out a slam piece somewhere. So. But and it, yeah, it's been like a, 
it's, it's been a theme throughout the entire offseason that the Flyers really overpaid for Kevin Hayes. So this is good. This is bound to happen until October 2nd when yeah. the Flyers start their first game and see how Kevin Hayes is playing. And if honestly, this probably won't end until you know year three of the contract when they can kind of really start to dissect. All right, you've been here for two years. What have you been doing so far? It's the same way that people are going to feel about Bryce Harper for at least yeah. two or three years of his contract. Is that's and I think he'll he'll pick it up. I, I'm not worried about Bryce. Oh well, yeah. I'm just using him as an example because you know that's it's the biggest free agency acquisition the Phillies have had in forever. So no, I wouldn't say forever. I'd say Cliff Lee and Roy Howell, they were pretty big but, as far as acquisitions. Money wise. Oh yeah, money wise. Yeah, that's but what I'm using. I, that I think. I, I, I wouldn't say Harper's the best player they've ever. No, I'm just gotten. saying money wise. I'm using money as a. He could be. A, he could be a whole famer. You know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're not Harper's putting Kevin Hayes in Bryce Harper territory. That's yeah. what we're trying to. But I'm just using him as an example because. It's quite a lot of million dollars disparity. Then seven million dollars, <laughs> or is it, I think it's six. It might be six. It's six million dollars for seven years, or seven million dollars for nothing. seven years. For hockey, it is. Yeah, well, I mean, for baseball, I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Compare, well, baseball, there's some comparison. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. But, honestly, I don't I don't see him having – I don't see him – I see him fitting in perfectly here. I see him having really solid success in terms of, you know, regular season. And especially – Kevin Hayes is the type of player who, like, in the playoffs can be a kind of player who comes in and just – Thrives. everyone. Yeah, because, I mean, you want your all-stars like Giroux and Couturier and Konechny and all them to, not that Konechny's been an all-star yet, but like higher caliber players, you want them to be successful in the playoffs. But it's players like Kevin Hayes who, when Couturier's getting smothered and Giroux's getting smothered and, you know, they can't get any any pucks or anything to the net and there's no there's no success in that – then you have Kevin Hayes come in, and then it's like, oh, well, now we got to try to match up to Kevin Hayes when he's having success, and then that leaves Drew. Basically, you get a player like Kevin Hayes, it's going to help Claude Drew and all the, all your other players be able to have success because it's going to create lineup mat. It's going to create line match mismatches for other teams. So, you know my views on the team. You know I think they're the most complete team that they've had in forever and that I'm not worried about them. Of course. And I'm going to either go out swinging or everyone's going to be like, well, Eric was right, but, I mean, I'm just going to die on this hill, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope you live on that hill because I, I like a Flyers. Yeah, I want, the, I want them to be successful because it I makes like the team, every the more teams that are successful in the city, the happier we are. So, yeah. but I mean, that's that was my big flyers thing. I just wanted to bring that up, see what see what your feelings on that were. And the other thing this week was that we had big birthday. Two big birthdays. Cause this is where we're at. <laughs> um, we had Carter Hart hit the big two one. Oh shit, he can drink. Hopefully not too much, because I need his body limber so he can, you know, keep the keep the puck out of the net. And then we had uh <laughs> We had Bobby Clark, the Flyers legend. The what if he's like a drunk savant and he's just really good at <laughs> making a good point? Um, but that's it. That's pretty right. much it. That's big, cool. Yeah, big birthdays. Uh, hopefully for his 21st year of his life, he can bring us home a Stanley Cup. 
Maybe pretty. Maybe twenty years in the league. Uh, a solid goalie career. I would like that. Twenty years is a long time. That's a but long time. I would like that. He's twenty. He's twenty-one right now. So he's 20. young. He could do it. Hey, Henrik's Henrik's almost forty. Let's do it. Let's go, Carter. But let's get let's get five years in the league first, and then we'll look at. We'll oh, it, it, yeah. it's gonna be you're, you're gonna be like looking at Carter Hart and being like, "Damn, I wish he could have been playing when he was 18. <laughs> I mean, he was just not in the NHL. No shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> I would hope they wouldn't have just. Oh, we got this goalie. That's happened he's before. No, he's 19 and he just started skating. That's happened before though. <laughs> it's been rare, but goalies have come in at 18. All right. All right. Goalies usually they hold off on goalies though because. Um, that's your most important position. It's a, yeah, it's so, a very yeah. it's a very volatile position. And if you don't have a good goalie, you kind of suck. It's meant well. That's the teams have won with bad goalies. Like you the, know what, like, Eric? Like the we Chicago, want a good goalie. Right now, <laughs> like the Chicago Blackhawks, who Niemi had a good year that year, but after that year, when he when Patrick Keane so depressingly put the puck in on Michael Layton in Game Six of the 2010 Stanley Cup Final, and all of Philadelphia cried together, including a young. Let's see. Eric Rare. No, I'm trying to see how old I was. That was, what, nine years ago? So When I, was it? It was 2010, and that's 2019 we right were... now. I'm 23, so nine years minus 20. That's, I was 14. 14. 14-year-old 14 Eric. I think I was... You had long hair. No, it was when I was in... No, we were in eighth grade. Yeah. You yeah. had the little bowl cut. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. That was a good one. Maybe that'll be our... Uh, maybe we'll tweet an image of that on our... Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I really hate that. A little one. Easter egg for all of our uh, listeners from the, uh, loyal the good old listeners, days. If you maybe we'll make a maybe we'll make a Patreon solely for pictures of Eric in eighth grade. <laughs> all right, I'd like that. Um, Anyhow, are we ready to move on? Well, I can see how interested you are in my six seconds of Flyers talk. I'm interested. In, uh, that went for like 20 minutes, man. No, no, was, we got more. We got more out of that than I thought we were going to get. So we're good. That's good. I like but, it. No, I'm. I'm, uh, all, I'm all in on the Flyers. You know that. But I like. Before we go into this, Jim. Nice. Yeah. Before we go into what you have. Before we, we talk have, about the uh, 61 and 58 Phillies. Yes. Before I. Wait, Third, 61 Tyford. and. Tied for third place in the uh, Eastern Eastern Division. 61. 61-58. Oh. Um, Tied with the Mets for third place. Before we go into that, we kind of jumped right into my talk, but I was just figured it's a little late, but uh, how you doing? We didn't get into that. It's been an up and down week, man. I was watching the Phillies, watched them take on the uh, San Francisco Giants. It just wasn't great. It wasn't great. Then we get a uh, report come out on Monday. There might be some staff changes, and you know I, pe- I perked up a little bit. You know I was feeling a little energy, feeling feeling the flow. Felt the next a little hard. Yeah, and then uh, yesterday, or was it, was it I yesterday? texted you yeah. right when it happened? It was. It was yesterday. I want you to. I want you to get close to the microphone. It was. Pr- it was a pretty good day. I want the you Phillies. Get close to the microphone, and I want you to say one last time. Fuck John Maley. All right, that's what I've been waiting for all. A send week. off, a send off, ding dong, the wicked dick is dead. <laughs> so he probably died somehow. I don't know. All right, I'd Jesus be okay with Christ. that. It's, it's, anyway, it's baseball. <laughs> but, <laughs> he took a line drive to the head. Um, that's how they fired him. <laughs> Charlie Manuel took a bat to him. All right, so spoiler alert. I'm taking your job. Spoiler alert because we didn't actually announce it. Um, the Phillies. 
fired our lovely friend John Mayer. It's not a spoiler alert. I think people know by now. It's like the All right, the well, village. you know, maybe there's somebody who's been trapped in a basement for three days. And they decided to listen to our podcast yeah, at the bottom of the barrel. All right. Maybe we're the only joy we brought to that person who was... <laughs> well, John Maley's gone to that person. We're, and we're happy. Charlie Manuel is back. Hey, guys. I'm, uh, I'm here to teach you some, some hitting. Good luck, Chuck, is back, and he's going to bring us to the promised lands. This man just, like... I, I just I just feel something. I, I kind of want to go into a, a little bit of the stats from like when he was coaching and all that kind of stuff. He's you, been, I want you he's to go been, into it. He's been a he is a great hitter. He's always been a great hitting coach, a good great hitting mind. Uh, Clintac came out and said that uh, this was a move that was kind of brought on by the the uh, fact that the he owner needs to save his fucking job. The owner probably <laughs> our our good our good friend John Middleton probably came to him and said, "Hey." We suck. Fix it now or you're gone. And uh, I want to get into that. Probably grabbed him by the nuts and told him. But I want to get into something. Fire that fucking hitting coach. Fuck that guy. Fuck John Maley. Fuck John Maley. But I want to get into something before before I uh, lose the thought. Did you watch the press conference yesterday when Clintac got up there? I did not watch the press conference. I was working. (laughs) All right. But... (laughs) I was. I got a phone. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm. I'm saying. I had other stuff to be doing. All right. Well, well, I mean, it's a. You know, they said. I'm not a professional Phillies beat writer. You know. Not yet. But. um, I'm. I'm. I'm available. I'll I'll even play. I'll I'll, I'll fax you my resume. (laughs) I'll hit dingers for you. Um, Anyway. But apparently. I, I missed this part. I watched a little bit of the press conference just to see what contact was going to say, but uh, Kapler got up there, and apparently it was visibly uh, seen that. Well, obviously it was visibly seen here. It was visible that, you know, good old greasy Gabe was a little clenched, a little bit uptight about it, and he's just like... Well, it was kind of like a big, like, hey, get your shit together well, no, or you're gone, buddy. Charlie Manuel is the complete opposite of Don't what, say that. what Gabe's no what Gabe's going for because I know does Charlie it's young analytic Charlie Manuel has been just a part of the Phillies since he's been moved to the uh, advisor role as anybody has Charlie Manuel has been with this team he's doing all the homework he's no doing no all I know stuff. that's what I'm saying but I'm just it's saying not, that this is like this is kind of a swift kick in the ass that like Gabe what you're doing is not working. Yeah. So it's like we're we're going well, we're going back. To, what does well, Gabe's job isn't to teach the players how to hit? I no, mean, I know. his job is to create the lineup. His job is to assist or figure out who's pitching. But what's, think about the pitching. But, but and you all know that, that this is a little bit of a, you know besides this being obviously he's the chess player. Clintex the guy that gives him the chess pieces. But, but think about this though. Yes, Charlie Manuel is obviously a huge. Step above John Maley. I think I'd be a step above John Maley. John Maley, he didn't fucking do anything. Exactly why I'd probably have been better. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that the thing that I I kind of thought about when he came in was that, uh oh, Charlie Manuel's back. He's not going to take over head coach. No, I know, but it's saying that it's, it's a he's a me- like Charlie oh, Manuel's yeah, he, obviously he, there, but he's a he's, message. He he's a message. He's a. He's a mess figure in the, he's a figure in this town. He knows what he's doing. I, it's not like 
he's going to teach him how to reinvent the wheel. He's just going to teach him little stuff to help him kind of move along. Hopefully get some of their mojo back. These are professional hitters. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Charlie Manuel is going to come in and kind of simplify their game plan and really, really fucking scream. You want me to scream, Eric? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> he'll, he'll, uh... <laughs> Sorry about that, what, you wonderful podcast yes, listener. I didn't mean to rape your ears there. <laughs> All right. So Charlie Manuel, <laughs> he'll come in here, kind of simplify the game a little bit. You know, he'll he'll help them figure out little little minor things that they might be doing wrong. Where I, like I don't I don't see John Milley as a very hands on hitting guy. I mean, I I feel like he came from the. Not to say that Gabe Kapler's school of thought isn't a good one because it's it's new age. It's bringing in different things that might not have been thought of before. But I don't I don't see John Ma- or John Maley as that guy that's going out there and helping guys figure out their swings. He's just kind of telling them this is what they should be doing, preaching them their uh, the uh, Phillies' philosophies of hitting and. It sounds like when a it, lot of the hitters are confused right when now. When it comes down to it, he's not he by trying to tell them the analytical like this is what you should be doing. I mean, hitting the ball, it's not actually helping. Translate them that hit. into yeah. translate that into behavior. Everything like analyzing the data is one thing, but translating that into functional behavior and hitting is a lot more important than he's not actually looking them at with numbers. Te- he's not helping them with their technique. He's you can, not like, yeah, you yeah. can look at numbers all day long. That's not going to help you fix your batting stance or whatever. Not- you, you just gotta you gotta have a feel for the way you're hitting. I, I was looking at over the weekend. I had like kind of an epiphany. I'm like, I think Reese Hoskins is off balance when he's taking a swing. Like, it's like every time he's taking a swing, he's either trying to golf the ball out because he's his zone was down low, or he's he just is losing a lot of power when he's going down to one knee almost. <clears throat> and I think if I think Charlie Manuel will probably be able to tell him exactly what's going on, what he needs to kind of work on, and just level out the swing a little bit. Because Reese Hoskins has the power to be as good as anybody in the league. It's just putting his fundamentals back in place and helping him figure out what's actually happening. And I never heard any stories of... John Maley coming out and helping out the hitters. You go back to like the 2000s or yeah, the 2000s. The Phillies hitters were always praising their hitting coaches. It it just to me a hitting coach is a guy that's supposed to do all that analytics crap, figure out what you're doing wrong and translate that into in-game help. Which <clears throat> when I was like that's what a coach does, right? Yeah, yeah it's a, your coach is supposed to. That's his. That's his to, homework. Yeah, to teach you how to. Yes, yeah, so you could do. You could do as much analytical, statistical. This is what you got to do. But when it comes down to it, a coach is supposed to be like, "Hey, see that how you're planting your foot kind of weirdly here? Maybe like put your foot back a little bit." And I'm just. Yeah. Trying, I'm trying to make it sound like I know how to fucking <laughs> I know. hit. But like, yeah. I know what you're mean. What yeah. you're saying, like. They're, John Maley, John, John Maley's looking at where they're pitching Reese Hoskins, and he's saying, "Take that or try to pull the ball, whatever." They're pitching Hoskins away and down, 
that's really not a place where you're going to drive the baseball. I want Reese Hoskins to wait on a pitch that's up and inside. I want him to swing at that. Um, but numbers are going to tell you to do that. However, they're not going to teach you how to hit that. It's always Charlie Manuel will be able to tell Reese Hoskins where he's missing, what he needs to do to get to that point. He'll be able to help Bryce Harper. He'll be able to help JT Real Muto. I saw. Um, he'll help Kingery. Speaking, I saw. Um, Hopefully, he'll be more aggressive. I saw two things. It was, um, excuse me. Um, firstly, I saw Ryan Howard made a tweet like right after they signed or they they got rid of Maley and they brought in Charlie Manuel, and he was just like, "Oh, baby, are these boys gonna know how to hit now?" Exactly. I mean, and I'm also, sure John. I'm sure John Maley is good at reading numbers, but. That's not how you translate. Also, apparently, as a as a hitter, he wasn't even like that. I know. I know. You could be you could be the worst hitter in the world, but still know what you're doing wrong. Because there's coaches who (laughs) who had terrible careers and come in, and then they figured out how to just translate everything they did wrong into how to be exactly. Sometimes the worst guy in the locker room knows exactly how to fix a hitter. A hitter. Yeah. Just because he's always being told he needs to do this, he needs to do that. He, you absorb that knowledge. Um, and also, I saw something else that was like, basically, man, Bryce Harper is going to love having Charlie Manuel as a hitting coach because it's just going to, yeah. Which, actually, I was well, going to bring something Manuel's up. just going to tell the guys to hit to their strengths and don't worry about all that. Like, obviously, watch pitches that are out of the zone, but attack attack balls that are in the zone. you gotta you got to be aggressive. When you have the opportunity to put runs on the board, and I I love that philosophy. I mean, you can go back. I can just look at the stats right now and tell you the Phillies had a prolific offense from 2005. I believe Charlie was hired in 2004, maybe 2003. Um, Siri, when was Charlie Manuel <laughs> hired? Through 2010. They were averaging around five runs per game, which is really good. Since then, the Phillies in 2014 were batting 380 or had a 382 run per game. 2015, 386 run per game. 2016, 377 run per game. 2017, you see an increase a little 2004. bit. 2004. Just wanted to just wanted to tell you when he was. It was hired. 2004. I was right. Yeah. Okay. So 2004 to 2011 or 2010, that's where I'll say like the peak of that Phillies offense was in that time period. They were right around five runs per game, which is really good. Um, the Phillies have improved this year. They're at 4.7 runs per game, but that's num- that number's gone down. They were averaging, like I'm pretty sure they are averaging around five to six runs a-, runs a game in the beginning of the season, and that's significantly decreased since then. Um but under John Maley, there hasn't been much progress. Their slugging percentage hasn't increased all that much. Their, uh, yeah, it it just makes sense to me that you get a guy who knows how to teach guys how to hit. I mean, I think it's kind of a little. Just I feel like they're kind of stretching out this story. Yeah, he's the Charlie Manuel's the guy that helped Jim Tomey get to the Hall of Fame. I. I'm thinking there's a little bit more talent in Jim Tomey <laughs> that, that allowed Charlie Manuel to help him hit, but <clears throat> I definitely think there was a big part of that. He helped a lot of the guys in the uh, when they were on that be better. He's active with the hitters. 
he's not really great with pitching, which is why I'm great, happy. He's in that uh, hitting coach role right now, and I think he's going to help this team get better. Right now, we're not too far out of it. We're only two games back of the wild card. I ask you something. Yeah. Um, see, things like this, obviously, we kind of said it was a message. It could it could be taken as a message, but it's also obviously an improvement on John Maley. Mm-hmm. But do we think that it's going to, like, snap, like, an improvement right away? Instant, like, instant like, improvement? I don't think so because a lot of the behavior – that you're seeing out of the hitters are learned behaviors, and it, any kind of yeah, it takes some time. It to takes time to those get that muscle muscle. Uh, what's the word? I'm looking, or muscle. You're basically mem- muscle memory. Muscle memory. Get that muscle memory back to where you were hitting. Um, like I mean, I I focus in on Reese Hoskins because he's my favorite player. Yeah, you're always. <laughs> but I was watching film from when he was in the. From 2017, 2018, the dude just hits balls in all to all fields. He's he's taking pitches where they're supposed to go, and he he hits a zone that's a lot larger than the one he's hitting this year. Like uh, he's hitting a lot less balls up and in, which I think any successful hitter needs to do to kind of rebound here. Um. What were we saying? Oh, I asked you if, like, a instant. Instant. Okay. Like an instant. I think help. I don't think it'll be instant. Um, I definitely think there will be improvements incrementally next over the next two weeks. Um, approaches are going to be different, um, and I think that alone will just help. But as far as finding different uh, intricacies of each of the Phillies. Uh, hitters, what they need. I think Charlie Manuel will be able to diagnose it, especially our power hitters. How how much of a cushion do they have? Cushion. You, th- you think if like because it's right now it's, it's do or die. This week they need to improve. They need to win games. That's this what week. I'm. All right. That's what they, they need to go on a win streak right now of, because yeah. the Mets are really good right now. The Nationals are staying put, and so are the Braves. I'm not expecting them to catch the Braves. That's crazy talk. Um, they don't have room to, to sink down anymore. They don't have they room have to sink to... down anymore because there's other teams that are vying for that playoff spot. That you got the Brewers who are one game ahead of them. You got the Cardinals who are also one game ahead of them. They're playing the Cubs this week. The Cubs are a couple games ahead of them. But if the Cubs go on a losing streak, they're in that playoff hunt too. They're in that wild card route too. The Phillies have three player or three teams in their division that are vying for that wild card. And in the uh, Western Division, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, they're both looking for a playoff spot right now. And it's not unreachable for any of these teams. Would you... We need to win now. Would you consider this week, though, like the rest of this week, would you consider it kind of a wash? Because he hasn't had... I'm not saying it's a wash. There's really... I I think... The changes changes that... Yeah, I know. But the changes that Charlie Manuel will make will be minimal. They're still going to preach a lot of the same stuff. Charlie Manuel will just make that a lot more accessible for the hitters. I don't know what John Maley did. I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about that guy. Like... All I know is he was our hitting coach, and we sucked with him. I haven't, I didn't, I didn't hear any of the players say. No, I didn't. Yeah, I haven't heard any of the players say. Oh, you know, John Maley gives us a great, great uh, adjustments. He gives us a good. Like I didn't hear any news about that guy. 
when the Phillies were winning baseball, you heard everything about Rich Doobie. You heard everything about their hitting coach. I forget what their hitting coach's name, but like every time they were slumping, eyes were on him. What was he doing to help them improve this team? I didn't hear shit about John Maley trying to improve this hit team. All I heard was they're trying to stick with the game plan. And you know what? After probably about two months of us not hitting, that's a red flag as far as an organizational standpoint. You need to you need to go back to the drawing board and like try to teach these guys what's going on. Now I'm I'm not I'm not putting 100% of the blame on John Maley because like I said I don't know what he did. The, there comes a certain point the hitters got to take some of that into their own hands. You know they have the ability to go home and watch film. They have the ability to go home and work on their swing. Obviously. <clears throat> you're playing constantly. Mess around with some stuff. Bryce Harper didn't have his swing set until like last week. <laughs> like there, there's more than just one player, or there's more than just one person on the table here when it comes to batter success. And a lot of it comes from the batter themselves. They got to be willing to change. They got to be willing to look at what they're doing wrong, and they got to be willing to diagnose their own things because the only person that definitely knows what their swing should be, it's the hitter. At this point, they're not making complete adjustments. That's for the minor leagues. That's for working it out there. That's for that's where you figure it out in high school. You figure it out in college. Right now, basically what you see is what you get, unless there's some crazy thing in the offseason where they're like, oh, I want to change this. I want to do this differently. Um, but right now, it's Charlie, Manuel, Charlie Manuel's job to help them make incremental adjustments and figure out how the Phillies can better implement their system because I think their I, the idea of what they're trying to do isn't completely flawed, but I'd like to see them kind of smooth out the edges and really kind of attack the hit, the uh, pitchers rather than kind of just wait for the pitchers to make a mistake. You got to be the one. You got to be the aggressor. You can't let the pitcher be in the driving seat the entire game because that's just not going to work. Um, I think the Phillies try to go off of a. Uh, old philosophy this year of a, a big inning, which is something that helped other teams win, but baseball's different now. You got different kinds of... Uh, the balls are definitely different this year. They're flying out of the parks much more often. You got um, a lot of uh, a lot of pitchers trying to just get strikeouts. That's all basically all they're doing. It's just a different type of game right now. You're you're not going to get those big innings as often as you want them to get them. You got to get you got to get the hits when you can. It's all it's it's not all or nothing, but it's it's tack on all game long. You can't let up. You got to be attacking all game. And I think the Phillies have been complacent. They've been very patient at the plate, which is a good thing. But when it's hampering your run production, like you got guys on base. Reese Hoskins shouldn't be up there trying to wait for a walk to get on base on base percentage doesn't help you when you're not scoring runs so they just need to be more aggressive they need to take the pitches where they're at they shouldn't be trying to pull the ball which is a terrible philosophy if you ask me when you say pull the ball so all right when you're when you pull the ball you're you're hitting so if i'm i'm a right-hander coming up to the plate i'm on the left side of the plate i'm pulling the ball to left field that's when I'm, I'm pulling the ball. Mm-hmm. Just like if I'm uh, I'm driving the ball the opposite field, I'm hitting it away from my body. 
So, like, I'm hitting it to the right field if I'm driving the ball to the right field or away from the field. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> pulling the ball means pulling it to your batter's side. So, if Bryce Harper's up there, he's pulling the ball to right field because he's a left-handed hitter. So it's your opposite. <clears throat> so if he's so he's left. So he's so it's the way that you're like where you're facing. All right, all right. That makes opposite sense. field is the opposite of where you're standing. And like, if you're hitting it to the opposite field and you're a right-handed hitter, you're hitting it to right field. So if you're pulling the ball, you're hitting it to left. So I'm a righty. I'm pulling the left field. So yes. if, you, if I hit it to left field, you'd say he. I pulled the ball. Yes. All right. And that's usually because you're not early, but you're you have a earlier swing time on the ball. So when you're is that swinging, if it stays in the park, or does that matter? What do you mean? Like, is that only for like? No, you, in, if in, you pull the ball to any any part of that, it, it can be a single, it could be a double, it can be whatever. All right. All right. So it has nothing to, that, to do with what no. type of hit it is. It's just a matter yeah. of the direction of the ball. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so. Thank you right, for my yeah, educational no lesson. <laughs> no problem. Right-handers tend, right-handers and left-handers, regardless of what you do, you tend to pull the ball a little bit because in major leagues you want to swing a little bit early just because the fastball is so much faster than other things. But when you're driving the ball to the other side of the field, you don't get the shifts, you don't get any of that. Like I don't know if you've watched where they shift the players. A left-hander will be up and they'll put third baseman playing at shortstop. The shortstop. I've never noticed it, but I know about like them shifting the players to specific situations on who's batting. So basically, if a left-hander's up, you want your guys all on the right side. If a right-hander's up, you guys you want your guys on the left side. Because most of the time, when he connects with the ball, it's gonna go that. Usually, most hitters will pull the ball, but the Phillies hitters are good and they can drive the ball to all fields that's why it's frustrating when you're telling these hitters who have their entire lives put the ball in all different kinds of places and you're telling them only hit to this side of the field it just doesn't make sense to me especially it also a, just especially is how prevalent the switch is today you want your guys hitting it the opposite way well, that yeah. way they don't shift and that way you can get well, hits in different and also if, if you're hitting in the same direction every single time you're up to bat, then you know where the ball is going to go. Yeah, it's going to be pretty predictable for. Yeah. for that's a what player. that's that's basically what killed Ryan Howard. He could only pull the ball, um, at the end of his career. Pull the fucking ball pretty hard. He could, but at but the end of his career was yeah. he could, but he, but they put the shortstop out there and he just caught everything that landed in the gap. Good so point. yeah, um, I was just thinking about this though. Uh, John Maley. I was trying to think of who he reminds me of in terms of like flyers. Because I was trying to think of like who's that coach? No one, like, because no one's that big of a fuck up. No, no, it's <laughs> I wouldn't say he's that big of a fuck up, but um, Ian Laperriere is no idea who that is. <laughs> well, you would know him as the guy from the Flyers uh, Cup run, the guy who took the puck in the face when he blocked the shot, and he oh, bled yeah. all over the ice like three times. <laughs> but he's their coach. He's been their coach the past. Ah, uh, it had to have been at least five to six years. He's been their assistant coach, and he's handled the penalty kill. Yeah. And the Flyers were known in their prime years of, like, Laviolette and John Stevens and when they were, like, with Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, when they were in, like, mm-hmm. their prime, like, you know, competitive state. Yeah. They were known as, like, being one of those teams that was just so sound on the penalty kill that they would just go out there and they would always – Consistently kill penalties, and it would be really, really fucking hard to score on the penalty yeah. or on the power play for the other team. When Le Perrier got there, for some reason, the power play just like 
there was never ever an adjustment. It it and it consistently like it kept going the same way, and the Flyers' penalty kill continued to just be a question mark, and they continued to struggle. Granted, John Mealy doesn't sound like he's been there as long, so we're like Perrier's been on the 2017 or yeah. 2018 really because he was he came on Kapler came on. Kapler well, he's been he, yeah. Year. So, but Perrier's been on the team more, and it's been more so like why the fuck does he still keep get having this job? And granted, this year they what they're all their new coaches that they got. Uh, Perrier's still on the team as a coach. Yeah. But he's doing um he's, he's doing like he's doing like scouting. He isn't even on the bench anymore. Like he's doing his own <laughs> fucking thing. But there uh. You go. That's good stuff. That's progress. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, because Mike Yo, I, I've said my shit about him, but um, he's great, great at coaching penalty kill, and he's and we're I think we're going to be a lot stronger there. But enough, we talked about Flyers. I just wanted, I just wanted, to, I just wanted <laughs> no, to. It's good. It's good comparison. I just wanted comparison. to think of like I was trying to think this entire. That's what I was yeah. looking at when I was like searching up on for like I was like, who the fuck does he remind me of? John Milley is even Perrier. Okay. but granted, Perrier has given me good memories when he was a player. Um, and John Maley has given you no memories that have been positive. But nope. All right. So now that that uh, Charlie Manuel has been discussed, I'll kind of look back at what we did over the the weekend a little bit. Um, we had. But granted, uh, this is also this was this was this a was, different. This was a different this regimen. Was, yeah. This was uh, this was with uh, John Maley's. Uh, this is partially probably the reason why John Maley got fired, but. So they came out on Thursday last week against the Giants. Mad Bum gave them the uh, gave them a, a bummer of a uh, <laughs> bummer of a game. The Phillies. I love that. That was a great loss to the uh, Giants. They went. They lost nothing to five. Not great. Um, and that was a Nola start too. So Nola didn't have his best stuff. Which uh, hopefully he can write the track tonight because the Phillies are the Chicago Cubs, who in ten minutes. Yeah, they are playing in ten minutes. Who happen to be rolling out a former Philadelphia Philly tonight? You know, you know about this. Rolling out. They're 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 the upcoming game tonight. Do you know who's pitching? Cole. Oh, okay, you got that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. I just kind of put together the pieces. Yeah. Our buddy, I'm not that far removed here. I know. <laughs> Our buddy Cole Hamels is taking the mound for the we first time in the, Citizens Bank Park. Who we were hoping that the um, we they were, traded for, but yeah. I think they could get him in the offseason. You, know, you never know. How old anyway, is he again? 35? 30-something. 30, 30... Well, we're, you know, that's 50% of my answer. Where are we at? He was born in 1983. He's 87. No, he's not. Stop it. Cole Hamels is oh, I got a D my thirty-five. He will be thirty-six next year. However, he is having a really good year. He's in, he's got a three oh nine batting average or ERA. He's got three oh nine ERA. If he had a batting average like that, that'd be fucking sick. But um he's only allowed ten home runs this year, which is really good considering hitters are get, getting that ball up and out of here. Strikeouts are down a little bit than usual. He's a high strikeout guy or has been over his career, but um, not really walking guys either. Uh, he's got a th- yeah 309 ERA coming into it. Um, Win loss record of six and three going up against Aaron Nola, who's got a 367 ERA. I have to 
who's been pretty solid over his last last few games since he's kind of turned it back on, or I think since June really he's been doing a lot much a lot better, giving up double the amount of home runs that Hamels has, a lot more walks, more strikeouts though. He's he's got a good strikeout rate right now. He's struck out 166 over 141 innings pitched. Pretty good. Pretty good if I do say so myself. Should be an interesting one. I mean, obviously, Charlie's coming on tonight. Um, we got two Philly sports legends taking the field one uh, again together for the first time. Against each other. Against each other. Since uh, 2000, what was it, 2014? I don't know. was Charlie's last year, 2012? Yeah. Well, Cole was, Hamels. This is his first time back. all of our last year with yeah. the infamous 2012 world ending. This is the first, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is the first time Cole's been back to Philly in quite some time. It's good to see him back. He was one of my favorite players, obviously the World Series MVP. But, um, you know, he, he he's a competitor, and he loves the city of Philadelphia. And I think that he would be a nice acquisition come uh, the off season, But in the meantime... He's our enemy tonight, and we need to win. Unfortunately, so do the Cubs to stay up. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a at, it's gonna be like a playoff atmosphere tonight. Kind of a Phillies fighting for it, and the Cubs trying to keep it their way. Um, let's see what the odds are. The Phillies are minus one point five. So should be interesting. Um, the it's it will be interesting because Reese Hoskins is leading off tonight. <laughs> I guess Gabe thinks that the leadoff spot is where people go to uh, make adjustments, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> I don't even know anymore, man. Uh, the bullpen had a couple good games, but they also had a couple terrible games over the weekend against the Giants. Uh, the hitting was inconsistent. Bryce Harper had a nice two-run home run game, or two two home run game. Both were monster shots, but that was the only game we took from the Giants over the weekend. The Phillies came out last night and won. It was pretty good. I I I think that uh, I think Velasquez pitched right. Yeah, Vinny V. Vinny Velo came. I don't know. It was Vargas. <laughs> What's his first name? <laughs> Jason Vargas. He pitched. He, he pitched pretty good. He only let up two runs last night. Um, six innings pitched. That's something we need coming from him, especially going forward. He's a nice lefty option we got. I'm hoping uh, Nola has a solid game tonight. As if the Phillies' uh, injury woes couldn't get any much worse. Not that he was really adding to the team, but Jake Arrieta. He's done for the season. It's official. I'm okay with that because you know what that offers. An option for us to make a move where we're putting someone in who has the potential to be a growth piece. I don't know if you bring in Nick Pavetta or Zach Eflin out of the bullpen, or if it's bringing up Spencer Howard, a uh, top prospect of ours. He's our top pitching prospect. He's in Double A right now, which I think the jump to the major leagues is probably not a uh, great move. I'd like to see him at Triple A for a little bit. Maybe have Eflin or. Uh, Someone kind of stand in that role for a little bit until the uh, September call-ups come come flying in a little bit. I don't think they're moving him to AAA. They might not want to rush him. 
especially with how the season might be turning out. They don't want to kind of ruin his momentum. But um, he looks pretty good in minors. I'd, I'd be happy to see him here. Um, there's people talking about him coming up maybe ne- as close as over spring training next year and uh, really being a contributor for this team. I'd like to see it because we definitely need some young pitching talent. We need some guys to come out here and really light up. We haven't really had a pitcher since NOLA to come out of our farm system and really pitch well for us. And I don't think since probably Vance Worley did back in the... Uh, Vance Worley. I remember those <laughs> the days. The Vanimal. Yeah. And he uh, he didn't really pan out either. Um, he did for about six minutes. Well, for us, he was really good. But once he went to the Twins, it was another story. Um, it's been kind of tough for us to uh, bring up guys and have success with them. It's really frustrating, especially four years into... Uh, Matt Clentex's tenure here. You expect more players, especially with a smarter, uh, quote-unquote smarter GM, to figure out who we're drafting and get guys that are going to be here fast because we need it, you know. You can say that we're a fast rebuild or whatever, but if you don't have the pieces to actually back that up, more like a, it's really not going to go very far. More like a quarter rebuild. Yeah, because we don't have to. We haven't really done that. No, necessary. Yeah, the Phillies could remedy this with uh, some pitching help in the off season. There's a couple big arms. Obviously, Cole Hamels is available. Um, but he's older. You want to try to find he's older, a little yeah. younger. But uh, still, Cole Hamels is Cole the, Hamels. Yeah, and he will, he will. but the Phillies don't exactly have the best track record with uh, getting older pitchers. So I'd be I'd be content with a nice uh, Garrett Cole signing, but. There's fears that he might cost a little bit too much. The Phillies might get out. Did you mean get younger pitchers? Yeah. You said Garrett Cole. You said the Phillies don't have a track record with getting older pitchers. You meant meant younger? Well, no. The Phillies have a track record of getting older pitchers and them getting hurt. It's a Flyers thing. Yeah. There's another comparison for you. Like uh, David Robertson this year. He's (laughs) non-existent. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Hunter. Yeah, Jake Arrieta. I mean, Jake Arrieta is younger, but he's still older. He's, yeah, like, he's a, like 34 he's that like 30, age. I thought he was like 32. I could be wrong. but um, You most likely are, Jim. Uh, I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure he's up there, around there. He's been in the league for a while. Um, but I'd like to see them go out and get Garrett Cole or a guy like uh, Brad Miller from uh, – well, not from the Astros, but he's projected to be a free agent after this year. Um, we just need we need pitchers. We need guys that are going to be stable, parts of the uh, rotation. And uh, we need guys to make big steps forward. Uh, I can't put it any other way than that. I think it's time for a little uh, hot or not. What do you think, Eric? Hot or not. <laughs> Uh, there's no one hot right now. <laughs> Actually, JT Real Muto. Charlie. Charlie. That's one hot motherfucker. But um, JT Real Muto is actually doing pretty good right now. He drove in, a, drove in a couple runs, had a nice home run last night. Big factor why they won against the uh, the the Cubbies. It was nice. It was nice to see. Um, who's not? Reese Hoskins. Right now, he's batting 200 he's, since the All Star break. He's been below yeah, 200. He's been, I was going to say he's been not for below 200 since the All Star break. Stats are down, slugging percentage is down, not looking great. He needs to get back on the horse. So does Bryce Harper. 
Um, I believe Kingery's been kind of battling back a little bit, getting a little bit more consistent. Cesar's swinging a good bat, as per usual. He hasn't really dipped or rose really much at all this year. He's pretty much stayed consistent. Aaron Nola, we need him to be hot tonight. We need him to come out here and just be dominant against these these hitters because he's the only guy we got right now as as far as a sure thing. Um, I think that's about it. Oh. What? I don't get a hot or not. You got a hot or not. I didn't say anything. I didn't Who's get Who's hot? Who's hot? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, who's of hot? Of course. Well, I got some not, but who's been hot has been my man Gritty. Gritty? Did you see the video that he posted video. the other day? He posted a, posted a video of him in front of the old Farg. The Fargo. <laughs> um, of him dancing to uh, the song Truth Hurts by Lizzo okay. under Hot Grit Summer. <laughs> and it was quite the, quite the video. It uh, sparked some feelings in me. Would you say he's killing it right now? Greedy's killing it. <laughs> now, do you want to hear my knot? Yeah. My knot is a big old bubble, you know, Chuck Fletcher and Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov. Every week that they don't sign, I'm going to keep bringing it up until they finally sign. But I like to think, you know, you're Chuck. You're Chuck Manuel. <laughs> good, good luck, Chuck. Brings my Chuck. Chuck Fletcher <laughs> brings us some good luck because I just want this to be done. I don't. I'm getting afraid. I don't think it's gonna happen with these two, but I'm just afraid of a holdout. I'm afraid of one of them holding out for contractual reasons, and then us being without one of them would hurt. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. Yeah, so I don't want it to get to that point. So uh, let's figure something out this week, and uh, hopefully next week I can bring up that they signed, or I'll just have to. That'd be pretty cool. Dig at the bottom again and talk about how it was on this day in 2004, there was a game. <laughs> Actually, there wasn't because it was the off season. But, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to be take part in your hot or not. It's okay. Um, but it's all right. I think You're always it. welcome. There's always hot I, or not. I think that's it for me. Is there anything else you want to go over? I mean, yeah, doing anything fun? Yeah. Um, I just got mad and... <laughs> The new one? Yeah. How is it? Pretty good. Pretty good. Is it good? Yeah, I enjoy it. I haven't played a Madden for a little bit. Me and our buddy Drew were uh, playing it the other week. This whole week, actually. I haven't played a I haven't played a Madden in a couple of years. Good I stuff. Uh, NHL twenty comes out. Chill. Yeah, it comes out. Is there a franchise mode where I can play with you in it or no? There might be. There might be. If but I'm getting one, it. I might I'll be getting it on my PlayStation. Wait, hey, you got a PlayStation? Okay. Um, now we'll see. I'm going to. Uh, it comes out in September, so we're getting pretty pretty pumped. Uh, Gritty's in it. Of course he is. Well, they had mascot mode in the last year one, where you could play the NHL threes mode, but oh, you could play great. with the mascots. But this year, <laughs> Gritty's in it, so you can play as Gritty. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, so I think. I think we could call it an episode. I mean, could. I, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have anything else. All I, right. Well, uh, those of you listening, make sure to uh, rate and review this uh, wonderful podcast of ours. Uh, we like to support. Um, 
We're no, really we actually, to, we hate the support. We do. We don't want support. your support. Fuck we, your support. We really do want the support, though. All, no, we do. We would, we would appreciate you guys. Let's get that, uh, we appreciate everyone who listens. We do. We really, um, you know, we're we doing this. You. We're doing this just as two guys having fun talking about our favorite teams. But, you know, we spread we, the word, you know? Yeah. yeah. Go tell your friends. But you know? it, it, it feels nice to know that there's people out there listening to us two assholes banner. Yeah. I mean, we we're not we're not professionals like we've said before, but you know what? We're we're pretty. I, I like what I like what we're doing. I hate it, no, I'm just kidding. but no, <laughs> I, I do. I appreciate for the people who are listening out there, and um, if you're listening out there, give us a give us a follow on Twitter at Stick, at Stick Energy, Stick Energy Capital, Capital S, Capital E, and uh, let us know you're listening, and let yeah. us know if you guys want to you know hear anything else. Any any special segments or anything specific you want us to tackle? So it would help me out because I'm over here trying to pull all kinds of shit together for the Flyers. But if there's anything specifically any Flyers fan wants to hear, it'd be nice to um, be nice to know, and I'll I'll try my best to target that. But yeah, we appreciate the support and uh, make sure you keep listening because we're gonna keep putting these bad boys out every week. Make sure, like we said before, make sure you uh, rate and review our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, listen to us on Spotify, too. Uh, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, at Stick Energy, capital S, capital E. Um, you can follow our personal accounts at Jimmy at Jimmy Coleman, I believe I am. Maybe. I'm at Eric underscore Rare 11 with an H, E-R-I-C-H. It is a really unique way to spell your name. I know. I've been yeah, told. There's other people that spell like that. I've seen it. It's yeah, okay. They're probably okay. all around the, uh, they're probably a part of a regimen that we will not speak of here. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> and <laughs> that is it. That's episode five, people. Talk to you guys next week. Hopefully with some positive news, especially with Charlie coming back and, uh, that is it. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Talking at you next week. Later, guys.